All right, great. Well, good morning, family. How you doing? All right. Hey, grab your Bibles. Let's get them out. Um, we're going to be in Psalm 34 this morning. Um, if you need a Bible, you don't have one, we have some. Uh, we, can, we can rent to you. No, we're going to loan them. We won't rent them. We can rent them, right, Pastor John? No, loan them. All right. They're in the back if you need them. Just uh, throw up a hand. Someone's going to get them to you, okay? Psalm 34, this is a psalm of praise from David after the Lord rescued him from his enemies. Anybody know what it's like to be rescued? Huh? Ever been rescued? Even when you were maybe four, you got rescued? It feels really good, doesn't it, to be rescued, to be saved? Hmm? So I'm going to read Psalm 34. Uh, to give us some context, I'm going to read the whole psalm, and then we're going to pray, and we'll get into it, okay? You can follow along with this, Psalm 34, or if you want to just close your eyes, you can close your eyes, okay? I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him. It saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate righteousness will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God... We love you. We thank you for speaking to us today, Lord. I've heard a lot of people talking this week, and I've done a lot of talking. But Lord, I need to hear you talk today. 
I need to hear you speak today because you speak a better word than I can. Your word gives life. Your word restores. Your word convicts of sin and saves. So would you speak today by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord? Would you speak to our hearts and change our lives, Lord? Help us magnify the Lord today together, together. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Officer Mark Gravelli did something that nobody expected when he responded to a shoplifting call at a local Walmart in Kansas City. The criminal, Sarah Robinson, was found stealing clothes and, ba- uh, clothes and baby supplies to take care of her six children. When Officer Angravelli noticed that her children's feet were covered in dirt, here's a picture of them. Um, after choosing only to cite them as her a citation and give her a fine instead of arresting her and taking her to jail, which would have separated her from her children, he reached into his own wallet and he walked into Walmart And he bought clothes and wipes and baby supplies for all of her children. Sarah and her six children, that's six children, had been living in their car and occasionally renting a single room in a friend's house when they had the money to do so. Her husband had died unexpectedly in a drowning accident. That's hard to recover from. She was doing whatever she could to survive. She said to the, newspaper, to the news reporter that she hated stealing. She knew it was wrong. But she had run out of people to ask for help. She was afraid she was going to lose her daughters. She said, they're my life. They're what I live for. She was desperate. It's a desperate situation. Now, you and I, we may not have been in a situation exactly like that, but we all know what it's like to feel desperate, don't we? We know what that's like. We know what it's like to have our back against the wall, and we've exhausted all of our resources. We've worked as hard as we can. We've called in all of our favors, and our situation has not improved. In fact, maybe it's even gotten a little worse. We know what it's like to be desperate. We know what that feels like. The question looms in our mind in those situations, what do we do when we cannot save ourselves? What do we do? This psalm, guys, comes out of such a situation. David was at the end of his road. He had run out of road to run down. He had no hope of escape, and he needed a rescuer. He could not save himself. He could not pull himself up by his own bootstraps. The bootstraps had snapped off. Are you with me? Are you there? And now he's on the other side of desperation, and he teaches us what to do when we cannot save ourselves. It says, trust in the Lord. For all, he delivers all who trust in him. Trust in the Lord because he delivers all who trust in him. When we are desperate, we base our trust in the Lord on four promises that he makes to us in this psalm. Four promises that I want to lift out of these uh, scripture verses here. The first is that there really is deliverance for those that seek God. 
And you think that would go without saying, but I think I need to say it. There really is deliverance in those that see God. Look at verse 4 through 7. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. And one of the first things that David wants us to know about God's deliverance is that he really does save those that are in trouble. There is salvation to be found in the Lord. When David says those that look to him, their faces are radiant, they'll never be ashamed. What he means by that is that if you go to the Lord, you will not be disappointed. You cannot go wrong when you go to the Lord. For all that you may not know to do, to go to the Lord is the right thing. You're not going to be disappointed to seek the Lord. You will not be going down a wild goose chase. You will not be traveling down a dead-end road like all the other roads that turn out to be dead ends. It's not going to be like that, David says. You will not be running a fool's errand. Seek God with confidence that He wants to help you. He wants to help you. You know, sometimes it's easy to think of God like, uh, like the great and powerful Oz. Right? You know the story. We remember the story of the Wizard of Oz. Dorothy and the gang, they finally make their way to the Wizard of Oz after a long and winding yellow brick road trail. Took them a long time to get there, right? But they finally make it to the Wizard of Oz. And they knock on his door, right? And he doesn't want to see them. He brushes them off at the door to see if they'll just kind of scoot on down the road, go away. Then, after getting to his throne room, he mocks them for even needing his help in hopes that that might make them go away and leave him alone. Then after they argue with the great Oz, he finally agrees to help them. But the Wizard of Oz only helps them after they prove their worthiness. Remember that? They came to him from help, and he sends them away empty-handed. They have to go help themselves. When we're desperate, when we're desperate, isn't it easy to think of God in those terms, family? Be honest. Isn't it easy? Like God really doesn't actually want to help us when we're in trouble. Like he is the Wizard of Oz. He's, we've heard stories. He has all this great power, but you know, he really doesn't kind of want to spend it on us. He doesn't want to waste it on us. It's easy to think that. When we're in desperate situations, we think, would God ever answer me as desperate as this situation is? Maybe I'm a lost cause to him at this point. God's word to us in this psalm is a resounding no. We're not a lost cause. There is no trouble that can find us. There is no pit that we can fall into that God will not hear our cries for help. Amen? God does not tell us to seek Him in our hour of need and then turn us away when we knock on His door. God is not a merchant of shame to those of us that are desperate. David tells us in this psalm that He is the giver of hope. Your God, my God, is a giver of hope. 
David tells us in this psalm, so you can come to him and come to him in faith that he will give you the help that you need. Trust him today. Trust him in your helplessness. It's good to put your trust in the Lord. That's a good place to put it. It's good to know that God's going to give us help and deliverance when we seek him, but what, what kind of deliverance is that going to be? Kind of leads to another question. What kind of deliverance? I mean, great. You give me, I mean, my dad's giving me some deliverance. You know, my mom's, I mean, what kind of deliverance are we talking about here? The Lord promises that his deliverance will satisfy. The Lord's deliverance will satisfy you and I. Look at verse 8 through 10. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him have what? No lack. The young lion suffers want and hunger, but those that seek the Lord lack no good thing. I want you to notice the language he's using here. It's food language. Did you notice that? Taste and see, right? Food language. He's talking about tasting God's goodness and suffering want and hunger, but being filled and not lacking anything. The backstory to this psalm is found in 1 Samuel chapter 20 and 21. It's a big, long story. Which, by the way, that's exactly what our children are learning about right now in their class. So if you want to talk to them in the ride home about what they're learning, you're learning kind of the same thing. Or you can talk to them at dinner. Isn't that neat? Well, David's on the run from Saul, who wants to kill him. David had already personally tried, or Saul had already personally tried to spear him to the wall. He had sent men to David's house to kill him while he slept in the night. And then now uh, Saul has staged a dinner party to try to murder young David. There's a bullseye on David's back, and the walls are coming closer and caving in on David. And he's feeling it. He's feeling it. In fact, in his own words to his best friend Jonathan, he says, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, there is only a step between me and death. It's coming near. It's coming close. In fact, it's inevitable, David's thinking. So he flees. He tries to get out of there. Nothing in his hands. He doesn't take anything with him. He's just trying to get out of the country with his life intact. He has no supplies of any kind. Picture this. No supplies. He's on the lamb. He's running. And he runs out of his own country into a foreign country. He's running scared and defenseless and hungry. He has no allies to help him. No one's going to give him quarter. He is going to die. And so he runs into the house of the Lord. And he lies to a priest. Tells him that he's on his top secret mission. Right? with all the soldiers, and that they need food. We're going to pick the story up there in 1 Samuel 21, verse 3. David says, now then, what do you have on hand? Give me five loaves of bread or whatever you have. And the priest answered to David, I have no common bread on hand, but there is holy bread if the young men have kept themselves from women. And David answered the priest, Truly, women have been kept from us, as they always are when I go on an expedition. The vessels of the young men are holy, even when it's an ordinary journey. How much more today is their vessel to be holy? So the priest gave, them, the priest gave him the
the holy bread. For there was no bread there, but the bread of the presence, which is removed from before the Lord to be replaced by hot bread on the day it is taken away. David is in need of food and supplies just to live through the day. In his desperation, he comes and he says, give me God's food. <laughs> is that crazy? Give me God's food or whatever you have on hand. I need to live. David lived to write this song about how in his most desperate moment, God satisfied him and did not leave him hungry. That's why he's saying, taste and see that the Lord is good. He has tasted. He has seen. The Lord is good. God wants us to know that his deliverance will be a satisfying deliverance. Don't, don't need to worry. And this is why we need to hear this. We often want God to rescue us the way we want. Am I right? Am I the only one who wants that or do you guys too? We, come on, talk to me a little bit. We want God to give us the deliverance that we want. We say to him things like this. Look, there's no way out of this divorce, Lord. There's no way out of this sickness. There's no way out of this career embarrassment unless you make this move. Unless you answer this way. Why do we think this way? Because there's a fear there, isn't it? Isn't there a fear underneath that? And what is the fear? The fear is that if I trust God, and God doesn't give me the answer that I want, or He doesn't give me the supplies that I think that I need, I will be left lacking. I will be left wanting. I will be hanging in the breeze. That's the fear. Listen, in this psalm, David did not get his reputation back. He did not get his home back, did he? He didn't get his place in King Saul's uh, courtroom there back, did he? David got what? Bread. David got bread, and he lived. And he's satisfied with God's deliverance through that bread, the bread of the presence. David reminds us that even though we may feel one step away from death, God delivers those who seek Him. We will lack no good thing. So trust Him. That's your application. So trust Him. Trust Him. We can also trust the Lord because the Lord promises His presence in our affliction. The Lord promises His presence in our affliction. Look at verses 15 through 18. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous. His ears are toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He saves the crushed in spirit. So David's using these metaphors of God's eyes and ears and face. To talk about God's presence, His nearness to those that are crushed, they're brokenhearted. We talked about this before in Psalm 27, but it's coming up again, so we're going to talk about it again. David's in trouble, and what does he want the most? What's the one thing that he wants? Talk to me. He wants to be in the presence of God. Everything else just goes second tier to him. 
I want to be near God. I want to be in the presence of God. He's thinking because he knows that his life is somehow wrapped up in God, being with him. He wants to be as close as God as he possibly can. And guess what? I don't think it's a coincidence that the only bread that was available for him to eat in that sanctuary that day was the bread of the presence. I don't think that was an accident. David goes into the sanctuary. He eats the bread of the presence as an act of seeking the face of God, seeking the help of the Lord. Even though it's unlawful for him to eat this bread, he is seeking the God that stands behind the bread. He's seeking the God that stands behind that law. He wants to get to God. And why? Because he knows that God alone is his life. If he cannot come into the presence of God to receive what he needs, he is a dead man. He is a dead man and he knows it. Part of God's deliverance for us as well as for David is that he supplies his life-sustaining, soul-nurturing presence right in the midst of our trouble. Right in the middle of it. Psalm 23, he's right. You've prepared a place for me where? In the presence of my enemies. He's right there. What do you and I need when we are in desperate times, in desperate situations? We need to know that the Lord, who is our life, is near us. We need to know that God is not up there somewhere. He's down here right now with us and we have the nearness of God with us in Jesus Christ our Lord this is the good news of the gospel look at John 6 Jesus says I am the bread of life your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died now this is interesting your fathers ate a miracle bread that God baked God produced They ate this miracle, and they died. We tend to think that the miracle's the meal, right? The miracle's not the meal. I'm I'm going on another, I gotta stay in Psalms, sorry. I'm gonna go to John. Come on, Lingle. All right. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. They ate the bread that God produced by a miracle and they still died this is the bread that came from the head down from heaven that you may eat of it you will not die i am the living bread that came down from heaven if anyone eats of this bread he will live for 50 years is that what it says he will live for 175 years how long do you live when you eat of this bread forever and forever is a long time Jesus says, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is what? My own flesh. Guys, here's the point. We've got better bread than David. We've got better bread than David. David's bread sustained him for a few hours. He lived. It was deliverance. But then he needed more, right? Christ sustains our life forever. His bread can find God's presence to one building. 
Christ is not confined by any geographical place. He fills all who believe in him. What David's bread pointed towards, Jesus fulfills and has fulfilled. Christ is the very presence of God coming to us. He lives in us and is with us. Jesus is God near us. And we experience this very real presence of Christ through the Holy Spirit. Look at Romans 5, 5. It says, and hope does not put us to shame. There's that shame word or ashamed word again, right? Not going to be disappointed. Why? Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We can claim this promise of God's nearness when we pray because it has been fulfilled by Jesus Christ. So we trust the Lord because He delivers those that seek Him. His deliverance will satisfy us. He is present in our afflictions and His deliverance will be final. The Lord promises that His deliverance will be final. It'll be the end of the story. Verse 19, Psalm 34, verse 19 through 22. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. I want you to notice he goes from being ashamed to being condemned. Talk about that in a second. There's a shift there. But like all the Psalms that we've looked at in this series, David is speaking about things beyond his particular situation, right? David is not talking exclusively about his enemy, Saul, or the king of Gath. I want to give three, three real quick observations of how we know that's so. And the first is this. David repeatedly uses some form of the Lord delivers them out of them all. When he's talking about his fears or his afflictions or their troubles, right? He uses some kind of form of, and he delivers them out of them all. Four times by my count in this psalm. So this is a hugely sweeping statement if he's only talking about the immediate situation. Secondly, notice the word condemned in the final verse. That word has to do with judgment. It has to do with atonement before God on the final day. It doesn't really fit in the rest of the psalm. This is an acrostic psalm, which means there's a letter of the Hebrew alphabet starts every verse, except this one. It's like he's taking a big highlighter. This one. Which one's not like the others? You remember that song? He's trying to highlight something to us, and he puts it at the end. This redemption... We're talking about a redemption, about deliverance, all, this, all the way down the road here. But he's saying that this is, is looking beyond this life. It is redemption, but probably different to redemption than you're thinking of. In other words, David's looking into the future where there will be a final deliverance, not just from all his enemies, but for all who put their faith in the Lord to save. God's people will be delivered from their greatest enemies, and it will be a total victory. It will be a total deliverance. And lastly, according to verse 19 through 20, this great deliverance from all of our enemies is going to come 
through this righteous servant. There's this righteous servant that's going to bring all of this. He's going to be afflicted greatly. Many are the afflictions, right, of the righteous. He's going to be afflicted greatly. But the Lord's going to deliver him out of all of them. God's going to keep all of his bones after death. God is going to vindicate this servant's righteousness and faith in the Lord. Guys, this is fulfilled in Christ. He's the true and better David. He is the Lord of the covenant. Christ was afflicted and suffered the condemnation for our sins, yet God vindicated him by raising him from the dirt, from the dead. All who put their trust in Christ will be delivered from the penalty and the power of sin and death as well. What happened to him happens to you. And what happened to me, we've put our hope and trust in him. This is a wonderful resource that the Lord has given to us when we find ourselves in desperate situations. Amen? The reason we can endure our present affliction is because through faith in Christ, we already have the greater deliverance. We can handle whether the lesser deliverance comes or does not come because we have already got, we have already have secured the greater deliverance that we need. This is the resource that's been given to you and I to bear up under those afflictions, to praise Him at all times. 1 Corinthians 4, Paul says, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, Our inner self is being renewed day by day for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are what? Transient. But the things that are unseen are eternal. No matter how many times God delivers us from the trials in this life, sin and death just tend to smash it up again, don't they? Right? You know what I'm talking about. His present situation deliverances will always be good, and they'll always be enjoyable. And we like them, and they're good for us, but they will always be transient. What we need is something better. We need something that is permanent. To use Paul's word, we need something eternal. Okay, so God heals us from our sickness, or God heals us from that painful injury from the accident. That's great, praise God. But don't we still die? Yep, we do. So God heals our broken marriage, praise God. That's good. Doesn't our marriage dissolve upon death? Yep. Yep. So God delivers you from bankruptcy. That's great. Praise God. Don't you, doesn't all your money still go to somebody else when you die? And maybe people you don't even want to go to? Yep. It does. I'm not trying to say it's wrong to ask God for those present day deliverances. Ask. He's your father. He loves you. And they do make... Life more enjoyable. So ask. Ask away. I'm just trying to put them in their proper place in our minds. That is not what you put your hope in. That's not what I should be putting our hope in. Why? Because they are not ultimate. They are never ultimate. 
They're always like a surgery that always puts us almost back together the way we were before the accident. Do you know what I'm talking about? Anyone experience that? The surgery was supposed to eliminate all of the pain in her back or all the pain in her arm or her neck or whatever it was, and it relieved like 80% of it. And we're thankful, and we enjoy that. And life is better. But, but it isn't complete. And we have a little reminder, every day we wake up, oh, wasn't complete restoration. And I wanted it to be. We want our deliverance to be complete. How can you and I trust God that he will really deliver us from all of our enemies? And that'll be a final deliverance. That'll be a total deliverance. That'll be a complete deliverance. How can we do this? How can we put our trust in him in this way? The answer is that because God delivered Jesus in just such a way. God just didn't just raise his spirit from the grave. He raised his body and his spirit. Conquered death. He defeated Christ's enemies once and for all by doing this. And he will do the same for us. For those that put his trust in the Lord. For those that fear the Lord. He delivers them out of all their fears, right? You and I can place our trust in Christ in our present difficulties, in our present afflictions right now because we are guaranteed a greater and a final and a total deliverance. This is where our hope lies, guys. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. And none will be put to shame. Jesus is calling you and I today right now to put our trust in him and praise his name. I love you guys. I want to pray for you, okay?